Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. We just want to give a special shout out of thanks for all of you pastors. Many of you listening in are serving the Lord in ministry as a pastor, and it's such an honor for us to have you follow Jesus with us in Soul Shepherding. You're the heartbeat of our ministry, and we just so want to encourage you and build you up in your soul and your relationships and your leadership because you are the heroes in our world, the way that you are serving God, uh, you know, especially in these crazy times in, in 2020 with the pandemic and all the divisiveness that we've had. And you're just this, at the front lines with uh, bleeding hearts for people and uh, m- making the best decisions that you can to shepherd your people well. And so thank you for what you do every day, every week serving the Lord. And this is for you women too. Sometimes when we hear that word pastors, we think it's just the males, but there's a lot of women pastors out there. You're shepherds after God's own heart. You're caring for his people. And so we thank you. We give thanks to God for you. And we thank you and encourage you to continue this good work that you're doing with the Lord for his kingdom. And ministry spouses, whether you're a pastor's wife or a pastor's husband, a lot of you are listening to. And you've got, in many cases, a secret hidden ministry and a a hurting heart and a stressed heart over Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you're absorbing. It's hard to know who you could even talk to about it because you're supporting your spouse in ministry and often not being adequately recognized for that. And so many of you listen to Soul Talks and read our blogs and so forth and come to our institute. And so all of you serving the Lord as, as pastors and spouses and in the church and uh, on the mission field. Thank you for what you do. It's so important and we just praise God for you. Hello, soul friends. We are talking about family dynamics as we talk with you today. We have five people in our house all working from home in quarantine. And I wonder what the situation is in your home. Some of you have kids at home and they're taking class uh, online and uh, they're at home or you're homeschooling and you've, you've got a job that you're running from home, and, and you've got a family, and it's just all, all mixed in there. These are unusual times, and they're creating some dynamics for families that are painful and challenging, and some that are really good, great opportunities. Think about how in, in crisis there's danger and opportunity mixed in together, and that's true for us and our, for our families in this season of COVID and more sheltering at home. I think we're more aware than um, a long time with just all the the problems and the evil and the danger in our world, you know, because we've all got uh, news feeds right in the palm of our hand and we've we've all got the opportunity to broadcast our own news from our our smartphones. And so it's just a, a deluge of information and pictures and videos and news that oftentimes isn't really news. And there's a lot of upsetting stuff in the world. There's a lot of, of conflict and divisiveness and social unrest, and, uh, and that affects us. I'm thinking of our triangle of transformation that we teach that's in Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, the book that you wrote, because we found that one of the key things in our transformation and our growth in Christ-likeness is if we'll lean into our trials And so there's plenty of new trials here in family systems and dynamics in COVID. 
And that's what we want to encourage you to do is to, to lean into this and see it as an opportunity. What, what would Holy Spirit teach you? How would he grow you in your ability to love your family and those that you're in relationship with? And that can happen in this time. But it also, we found as therapists, Bill, in all our years of studying family systems theory and our times working with family and family dynamics that one of the things the family theorists often teach us to do when we're working with families is to cause a crisis because if you don't we're going to get rigid and stuck in our ways and change won't happen yeah and that, that seems almost mean to, to cause a crisis so we're trying to help people uh, calm people down and uh, encourage them in their life and and so they would be healthier. So why would we cause a crisis? Well, because something's got to change. Because if we get too riveted into these patterns, of some of them are very unhealthy. And there's all kinds of unspoken rules and things that function that are entrapping. In fact, we, we're hearing from some people that they feel very entrapped during this time. You know, our daughter works a lot with youth, and a lot of the students in her youth ministry feel very entrapped. It's really disrupted their relationship with their youth pastors because they feel like they can't talk freely because their parents are hearing everything that they're saying. And they're feeling trapped in expectations and family roles. And they're at a season of life where they need to be able to demesh a little bit and separate a little bit and develop some of their own identity. And some of that is being challenged right now. Yeah, because you don't want to feel like your parents are sort of listening in. You're you're under their thumb all the time. You want to be able to express yourself, and so, yeah, that that's a problem for uh, youth pastors. Some of the folks listening to us are, are youth pastors or have teenagers at home, and there's some significant dynamics there around the need for uh, independence and finding my own identity, my own voice, and building into my network of peers, and yet we've really been hindered in our ability to to socialize and be with our friends and. And so uh, it's hard for youth pastors to really get in close to those those kids in their lives, you know, using a lot more with social media. Some are able to, to now uh, gather if they keep social distance and wear masks and so forth. But our uh, relationships outside of the family have been very affected, and that puts stress on the relationships inside the home. It does. Well, in this podcast today, we want to specifically talk about enmeshment in families because this is a dynamic that happens often very unconsciously in families and is a dynamic that can be good on one level if it's a healthy bonding and attachment, but can be very painful if it becomes where it's an over-enmeshment and where it hinders the next thing that we need in our life and development after bonding, which is a, a boundaries. Yeah, so what you're saying, Christy, is we can't really understand enmeshment unless we understand bonding and boundaries. Uh, so enmeshment is an, an intertwinement where uh, what I feel and what you feel, what I need and what you need, they're all blurred together. And I'm, my own sense of self is lost. And um, ironically, in, in an enmeshment where there's like an, an over-closeness and a, a two people or more than two people that are reacting off of each other and not differentiating one from the other, and not having enough breathing space in their relationship, what happens is that that, uh, that like overcloseness actually uh, it, it's damaging to or can be damaging to each of the people in the relationship. Well, because it can hinder growth, it can hinder growth in your identity and your uniqueness and your freedoms. It can be 
something that is confining and holds you back from development. And it can also be something that can, at its worst, can be very controlling and entrapping. So I always think of a, a really great example of unhealthy enmeshment is in the Disney movie Untangled and the relationship there between the mother and Rapunzel. And there's a, a real enmeshment there. Yeah, the mother's trying to control Rapunzel and overprotecting her and like thinking she's loving her and caring for her, but yet she's she's controlling her and she's not giving her space and freedom and individuality. And so Rapunzel is finding herself uh, o overwhelmed by and defined by her, her mother's opinions and desires and feelings. And at first it just feels close and it's all that she knows, but then she starts to feel suffocated by it and she wants to explore the outside world. Yeah, I, every time I watch that movie, actually, I think I've maybe only seen it twice, but it's painful to watch because the enmeshment is so unhealthy. And yet it can be confusing because there's some good things there, too. You know, even in the song, Mother Knows Best, hmm. you know, and I think, well, there are times when I get caught up as a mother and thinking that I know best <laughs> for my children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is actually, it's really love. I really am willing good for them. And I really do have some wisdom and some experience that they don't yet have that I want to impart to them. Yeah, and often mother does know best, but mm -hmm. the problem is that we have to be careful when to share that that truth, that wisdom, that that caution, that guidance, because oftentimes, you know, kids uh, and, and just people, all of us generally, we sort of need to discover things on our own. So there's a very delicate balance there. Well, and there's definitely becomes more and more as our children get older, where we need to bite our tongue, we need to hold that back, we need to realize that, well, I may, I may think I know best, but I need to love them enough to let them learn through their own experience what I know that they don't know. Yeah, so we've learned to, to pray that wisdom for older kids, uh, adult kids, and, and other people that we're trying to influence. Be careful to, to give that that insight, that perspective, that advice. Wait, wait till you're asked. And then even then, sometimes advice isn't the best thing. It's definitely not the best place to start. Some people constantly ask for advice, and, and we, we need to be slow to jump into that. And we need to start by saying, well, well, what do you think? Or what's your experience with this? Or what do you think would be helpful? Because when we ask questions like that and we give empathy, then we're helping someone to develop the, their own individuality, their, their, their own uh, identifying their thoughts and their feelings and firming up their own personality. So enmeshment can happen at all kinds of different ages. It can happen with young children where at its best is a mom bonding with her baby. That's a good enmeshment. That's a healthy enmeshment. We need that in order to care well for an infant, we need to be able to anticipate and understand and empathize with what they're feeling and to be identified with their needs and to be ultra responsible for that child's needs. But as a child ages and okay, grows, hold it. So let's say, yeah. say more about that because you're, you're using a term good enmeshment that um, probably we're not used to <laughs> because usually we think of en en enmeshment in a relationship as, as unhealthy. Mm -hmm. We think of it as codependency, like you know, there's, there's someone with an addiction and then there's the codependent that's just always rescuing them and trying, trying to help them even though the addict's not being responsible and, you know, enabling some really bad, unhealthy behavior. And so uh, we, we think of enmeshment as suffocating and controlling uh, and, and unhealthy enmeshment is all of that. But yet we're wanting to make the point that uh, enmeshment, particularly like if we think about a, a, ch a young child in the first months of life, 
that's what they need. It's called mm-hmm. symbiosis. Mm-hmm. It's called a sort of a, a fusion. And, yes. and until we have that connection, they, they can't even be develop the separate identity because the individuality comes out of relationship. That's right. And so if we're not able to sort of enmesh, be really sensitive, feel what other feel, others feel, then that's actually a problem. It is a problem. And that one of the problems that we have, and we're going to talk about this on our next podcast, is that we tend to do the all or nothings, enmeshment or isolation, not enough boundaries or too many boundaries. You know, so often I will work with people in therapy and either they're overly enmeshed in their family system or they're overly boundaries such that they they're totally detached and they don't even speak anymore to a sibling or a, a parent yeah a lot of times we do that because the only way we know how to be with our, our family or a family member is to be enmeshed mm-hmm. and that that enmeshment is so painful because maybe i feel judged or i feel controlled or it just feels depressing to me because of the problems that are in my family or whenever I'm around this person and close to them, uh, I feel so anxious. And so we just want to, or they just, they just irritate me and all this, this resentment comes up or this anger comes up. And so we just want want space. And so then we, we put this grand canyon between ourselves and that person or, or between our family. And uh, that's because we don't know how to have boundaries and be in, in relationship with somebody. That's right. And sometimes at first, the enmeshment can feel really good because maybe we have been isolated and maybe we're desperate for love. And so we overly enmesh because of that desperation. I, you know, I did that. I got into an unhealthy, abusive relationship in college because I was feeling isolated. You know, I was away from home for the first time in my life. I was lonely. I was in a lot of stress and there was somebody that really wanted me. And I got in a very enmeshed relationship with him because it felt so good to be wanted, to be close to somebody. So say more about that. So he was giving you lots of attention that made you feel good. And so even though you didn't really feel free to be your own self, make your own choices, you didn't feel respected, but yet that attention felt so good. And you you, you wouldn't have said it this way, but you, you wanted that enmeshment. It was like the closest thing to intimacy that you knew at the time. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I do think in the formation of a relationship, even ours, Bill, there is some enmeshing that happens as we're, you know, in marriage, the two are becoming one. There is some enmeshing that happens. And we in our marriage had had to work through that. There were times when you had to say, you know, Christy, I need some space. I'm, you know, I'm feeling smothered by you right now. And you had to set some boundaries with that, but you had to do it in a way that helped me because I tend to feel, I felt rejected when you were setting those boundaries. And so even though I knew it wouldn't be healthy to smother you or to be enmeshed with you, it, it was a loss for me of that bonding that I was so enjoying. Yeah, and so when you were in that abusive relationship, you're saying that you you got trapped in that and you were, you were young, you didn't have uh, that much wisdom to understand all these things yet, you were still learning. And so it was because of the, the, the feeling of specialness that you had, the feeling of being wanted. Yeah, and actually that was very instructive for me because then in our marriage, I remember our first year of marriage when you went away for a week on a trip with your best friend from college And there was a part of me that didn't want to let you go Mm. because of the enmeshment. And I remembered what it felt like to be in that relationship where 
the enmeshment was so bad that I was being controlled and I couldn't have any other relationships and I anything I did I was made to feel really shamed for and really guilty and really kind of punished for if I didn't stay enmeshed to him and so that actually was instructive and helpful for me to say no I need to bless you to do this and I actually want you to choose to come back to me, like to go on, you know, vacation free. I want you to be able to miss me. I want you to be able to want and come back and reappreciate me. And that that understanding of it would be a mesh unhealthy enmeshment if I didn't let you go. Yeah. So you used your experience when you were in the abusive and controlling relationship and you felt so stifled and mistreated. You use that experience of the, the, the pain of that and the disrespect of that. And you got some help at that time in your life, I know, from hearing your story uh, from your mom, from a counselor. And so you, you learn some things, you receive some empathy, and you learn some things about boundaries. And then you use that personal experience of distress to then empathize with me and how I would have felt early in our marriage if you would have been controlling and dumping emotions on me and putting all kinds of expectations on me and, and not giving me space to be with my friend. Well, I didn't do it perfectly. There were plenty of times that I did some of those things and you you had to speak the truth in love and speak up and tell me how you felt. You empathized with me and what I was wanting in terms of that that bonding, that intimacy, even even the enmeshment, but you helped me to see where where it crossed the line from healthy intimacy to enmeshment. And that, that was really helpful. That was a learning for me. Yeah, so we needed to talk it through. Communication is just so huge in, in a relationship. And we're talking about something like enmeshment uh, versus healthy intimacy that has boundaries. You need to think of it not so much like an on-off light switch, but like a dimmer light switch. And so there's uh, degrees now. We want to make adjustments here so that our ways of being sensitive to each other and feeling for each other and, and being close and, and uh, uh, wanting things for each other, that that, that is uh, talked through and integrated with that is the freedom to have some different opinions, uh, different feelings, different needs, and to talk that through so that we can have boundaries and have individuality. And that's the healthiest relationships in our, in our families and in our friendships is when there's, there's closeness, but there's also breathing space. That's right. And there's, you know, I think this is something that I've continued to learn throughout my whole life because then after I was growing in it, you know, in our relationship as a couple and our formation as a, as a family, with kids, then there was a whole new opportunity for me to learn and grow in the area of enmeshment, raising children. And I found that there here, you know, at first you do that healthy enmeshing and bonding. You have to in order to be a good mom and a good parent. You feel everything they feel, and it, and it just really feels like it controls your life. I mean, you, you have to have some boundaries as a mom and as a dad, but, but you have to sacrifice so much and be so totally oriented around your child to when they're crying, what do they need, figuring that out, uh, nurturing them, so many different needs that they have and and pouring into them. Yeah, and let them be attached to you. But then there is also the needing to then leave as well. And I remember you had to really help me with that too because I would feel guilty leaving the kids going on a date. And I would stay a mesh. I'd be with you, but my whole person was back at the house with the baby and the kids. And I was having trouble being present to you. And 
that was a learning for me to be able to really let go and trust somebody else to be able to care for them and be able to be my own independent independent self again. And even being in a MOPS group was helpful for me with that too and being able to have some other relationships again and a sense of self and to be in leadership at church where I was able to bring parts of myself that I couldn't bring as a mom that it still I still needed that sense of existence outside of just being the mom to my kids. Yeah, because in MOPS, in the church group, you had other moms of preschoolers that you were connecting with and you were supporting each other, praying for each other, learning together. Yeah, and so if you're listening and you're a, a parent or a grandparent of small children, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, all-consuming. It's a, it's a huge investment. And we really can't do it alone. We need, ideally, mother and father teaming up. We need uh, friends. Uh, we, we need uh, family members that help us because it's, it's, uh, it's a, a tremendous investment of emotional energy to, to form a young soul. And, uh, you know, it changes as, as kids get older uh, in our family system. Uh, and it gets more complicated as we have more than one child. And, and we're, in this series, we're going to be talking about family triangles, uh, three-way relationships. And things can get very confusing and complicated in the family or, for that matter, in, in a small group or a place of work in any, any system that has a number of people in it. There's a, a lot of relationships there to keep track of and a lot of three-way relationships that can be stressful. And so finding uh, a lot of what we're doing here in Soul Talks is helping you find words for how you feel and uh, words to describe your experiences because then you can begin to get perspective on that. And when you can identify the things that that you need and sort of the competing needs and desires and be able to parse that out and you get tools to, to talk this through where you're you're sharing your experience and you're, you're receiving uh, heartfelt listening and compassion and you're learning to practice some things like setting boundaries. And, and that's such a huge deal in a relationship. And that, that's really the key when you, you find yourself in an enmeshed, intertwined relationship is being able to, to set boundaries, which means to say, well, this is what I feel. This is what I need. And, you know, being able to disagree and do that in a uh, a loving and respectful way. I mean, just imagine our, our world if we could do that. I mean, we, <laughs> we have so much divisiveness in, in our world right now, and it's really seeped into our churches. You know, we're talking to pastors, and they're having so much difficulty with people who have di- different politics or different opinions on the pandemic or different I- opinions on the race issues. And a lot of cases, there's just a, a resentment and conflict and it's, it's very difficult to be a, a, a pastor, a, a leader, a, a peacemaker in that situation and help people to get along because we, we need to learn how to talk to each other and uh, in some cases agree to disagree and uh, love each other even when we might have different views and not react and control and judge but, but listen and empathize and validate and, and, and keep the main thing the main thing which is following Jesus and uh, loving each other and joining together to to love our community and, and help the poor and the needy around us. You know, as always, the Lord is our example, and he doesn't mesh with us. He gives us free will, and he respects our free will. And he, he calls us to him in loving bonding and intimacy, but also he, he blesses us in our identity in him and our expression of the uniqueness to which he's created us, and he calls us to use that, to go and to take dominion, Right. Um, he gives us areas to use, you know, the gifts that he's given us, and he doesn't control us, and he doesn't, uh, he calls us with love, but he doesn't, like, shame us into 
compliance or manipulate us into serving him. And in enmeshment relationships, that's what we feel. And sometimes we can even project that onto God. Yeah, the father of the prodigal son in Jesus' famous parable, you know, when the prodigal says, you know, give me my uh, share of the inheritance now, you know, basically says, I wish you were dead, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go off on my own. You know, the father didn't say, well, uh, I'll give you all that money and you, you can stay here. You, you can have everything. And I, I'll, what, how do you want things to be different here in the home and on the farm? And I'll, I'll take care of you. Please, please don't leave. You, you need to stay. I'm going to make it wonderful for you. Come on, let's have a big party. Let's have all your friends over. You know, he didn't just like spoil him and indulge him and give him everything he wanted. He respected his son's free will. They, they agreed to disagree there. And so there was, um, there was boundaries in that. There was separation in that. And every healthy, intimate relationship needs some separation because the prodigal needed to, he needed to try some things and he needed to learn from his own experience. And Jesus shows us here and in many places that God respects our free choice and uh, God will let us do foolish things. He'll let us reject him. He'll let us sin because sometimes that's the only way we're going to learn is through some, some painful experience. And then that in turn helps us to, to get motivated and take responsibility for ourselves, And sure enough, so the, the prodigal co- comes back home to his, his dad and says, you know, help, <laughs> I made a mess of my life and I need to be forgiven and I want a second chance. And of course, the father gives him a second chance. And now, now the son is ready to sort of, you know, take dominion and, and exercise stewardship, use, use his gifts to, to serve and to help and to work and to love other people and uh, be in partnership with the father and so forth because he's learned from experience and now the father and the prodigal have a you know a healthier relationship with uh, points of great great connection and warmth and closeness but there's independence there too you know something that's really helped me in this area of enmeshment is coming to understand some signals of when i'm enmeshed when i'm enmeshing and one of the things that i've found is that i am enmeshing when i am more concerned about somebody else than they are a trial they're going through a difficulty they're going through uh, an emotion a struggle oftentimes i will find myself especially tempted with my kids or even my mom you know we, we can be enmeshed with our aging parents or you know and they don't even know it like they don't even know we're enmeshing and because I will like over empathize and all have so much concern and feeling and, and empathy for what I think they're experiencing or going through. And it turns out like it's way, way more than them. And I'm like taking over responsibility for them because I'm a meshing with them and I'm not, I'm not having a healthy boundary there and thinking that, no, I need to entrust them to the Lord in this. And I need to trust their abilities to handle this. Yeah, and this is so important for all of us in ministry, uh, whether it's a professional or lay ministry, pastors, missionaries, small group leaders, counselors and spiritual directors. You know, we're helping people, uh, caregivers um, uh, in, the, in the marketplace, in, in friendships. We're trying to help people. And so often, because we're big-hearted people, we, we have compassion and we're, we're serving Jesus. And so we really want to help people to, to grow, to, to um, get further along in their discipleship to Jesus, to have a, a fulfilling and productive life. And so we can be like overly motivated for them to make the positive changes, to, to, to learn something, to, to take a step of growth. And if as the helper, I'm over motivated, it actually is an impediment in the helping process. 
because that that suffocates potentially or crowds out the motivation of the person who needs the help. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus was a master of this. This is something that we uh, teach very carefully in our Soul Shepherding Institute. But it's very important that we uh, are become masters at cultivating motivation from the people that we're discipling or ministering to. He says, do you want to get well? Or what do you want me to do for you? Or some examples of that. Yeah, I think that it really helps me too when I am struggling with where does the boundary need to be? Where am I enmeshing and where am I loving and caring? To, to be able to talk that through with a respected, healthy soul shepherd or soul friend, spiritual director, counselor, somebody who I can run this by and say, you know, I'm feeling like I want to do this or I need to do this, but I'm not sure if that is that me taking over responsibility. And to be able to get another more objective perspective on that can be really helpful. Um, I do that with friends that I'm in a, a weekly Bible study with, and we have time where we're, we're talking about what's practically going on in our life. And so it's, you know, we'll, we'll say, Gee, you know, I'm just feeling really burden for my child right now and this difficult trial they're in and I'm finding that I'm wanting I'm wanting to offer this to them I'm wanting to help them in this way but I'm not sure if I'm being intrusive or meshing and to get somebody else's perspective on that is really helpful to say no it's you know it sounds to me like that would really be a blessing you have to give I I would encourage you to ask you know your child if they want that or no yeah no I think I think they've got this. I think God's going to provide. I think, you know, understandably, this is really hard for you. You love them. But that sounds like that might be rescuing or, um, you know, a little bit maybe fragilizing of them, like they couldn't handle it. Or, you know, it just helps to have somebody to give you an objective perspective. Yeah, it's just like when uh, you were a, a mom of young children and you were in the mops group in church you needed other moms to, to process with and mm-hmm. to uh, get perspective from. And so uh, today with adult children, you need other, still need other moms. And you have a mom group that you pray with. You have this mom's Bible study group and you get feedback. And so every, every mom needs moms who are friends. And it's true for all of us, whatever our ministry role is, as pastors and leaders, uh, counselors, we, we, need, we need someone who we can process our helping relationships with and how it's going and how we're feeling in that. And this is why in our spiritual direction training program, which is part of our institute, uh, we provide supervision and we have our students meet in groups together and with a supervisor that helps them understand their, their feelings and their experiences of spiritual direction ministry to others. Because it's hard to step outside of our own self, whether it's in our personal life or in our ministry to others, to get perspective on what's going on. So in our next podcast, we're going to talk about isolation in, in families and in, during this COVID time because we want to understand that we will sometimes swing between these two. For security, we'll enmesh, but we could get entrapped with that, and then we can go the opposite direction and isolate. And I think it's just important for us to grow in self-awareness and understanding of what we're doing and where we're doing it. And as we do that, we can reach out to the Lord and we can ask him to help us to, to understand and identify those areas. And then we can, we can repent. We can, as we think about what we're doing and our thinking, and we can let the Lord speak into that and invite us into healthier ways of relating. Yeah, well, thanks, friends. It's so fun to have you in this Soul Talks community with us. And many of you listening are counselors or spiritual directors and 
or soul friends and helpers in, in another way. And we just want to say that it, we just love you. We are so thankful to have you following Jesus with us. And the work you do as Christ's ambassadors in the trenches is so important. And it's such an honor for us to have you in this community and to be able to do what we can to care for you and nourish and encourage you in your soul because your ministry comes out of that. And uh, thanks to so many of you that have been leaving reviews on our um our Soul Talks uh, podcast, because uh, that helps other people find the community. And appreciate a new friend, uh, the Holistic Advocate, who recently gave us a review and said that she's finding that the Soul Talks is the perfect intersection of faith and mental health. And this is a current um, uh, intern, counselor intern, and finds the podcast really helpful for the counseling realm. And uh, it'd be great if you would leave a review for Soul Talks. It's just simple. Go into your podcast app, however you listen to Soul Talks, and uh, use the search button to find Soul Talks. And then go to the very bottom of the page. And you'll see there at the very bottom, it'll say write a review. And then it's so simple to put in a star rating and just make a short comment. And that helps more people find the Soul Talks community. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you are our teacher. You are all wise God. I pray, Lord, for each of our listeners that you would continue to guide them in this time, Lord, into healthy ways of loving and healthy ways of really participating with you in loving their families, those they're in relationship with, giving them wisdom where to have boundaries, where they need to release someone to you, where they're over or matched with someone, and that you would grow us all in our ability to love healthy those you've given and placed in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Bill, you and I like to reread a book that has really ministered to us or re-listen to a, a teaching, a podcast that's really good because there's more for us to glean there. And it's always the best learning is to redo it, go deeper. Right, and then to share it with someone. And so some of you might want to do that with Soul Talks. So we thought we'd share with you our top five podcasts, the ones that have gotten the most listens. So the first one is When Emotional Cutoffs Hurt. That's episode 64. And I have to just laugh. You know, God is so humorous. And this was probably one of the hardest podcasts ever for me to to do. It was a total venture on the Lord because it came out of a conflict that you and I had. And you asking me, can we just, you know, raw in real time unpack this? In front of the mics. The Lord helped us to talk it through and give each other empathy. And then we thought, you know, we we could be wounded healers and share this with our listening audience. So we've done that a number of times, but that's probably the most popular one when emotional cutoffs hurt. And then we've got one when God breaks through. And this is a podcast where we effectively interviewed uh, one of our listeners uh, who shared a very lengthy um, uh, testimony and uh, actually question and some struggles with us about difficulty experiencing God's love. And so we, based on that example, we just sort of talked through that whole issue that this listener, uh, this longtime Christian was struggling with. And so that's been very popular because it just deals with the the difficulties of uh, enduring in our intimacy with God when we're not feeling God's presence and continuing uh, on to follow Jesus. And then the third most listened to was the emotionally sensitive person. And that's also (laughs) such a surprise to me because so much of my life, I've carried so much shame about being emotionally sensitive. And I felt so loved when you did this podcast where you were really highlighting the emotional intelligence of emotionally sensitive people and how 
sad it is that often in our rationalistic world, we miss that. And so you were, this is, if you're an emotionally sensitive person or you're in relationship with somebody who's an emotionally sensitive person, I recommend this podcast. And then we've got uh, COVID-19, the tiredness you feel is grief. That's episode 216, a little bit more recently. That's sort of back in the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, that's a powerful one for all of us uh, personally and in our families and in our ministries to others because we're still dealing with that. We still mm -hmm. got a lot of grief in our bodies. And, uh, you know, even outside of the pandemic, this is this is the truth about grief, uh, losses, uh, sadness, is that we internalize it and it gets in our body and we're tired and we don't realize it. Well, unconsciously, we're grieving and we need help processing that sadness. And new grief waves keep coming for us. Because grief so, triggers yeah, grief. Yeah. That's right. And then the last one that we want to share with you, the fifth one, is a Say Law podcast. We did about 10 of these. We haven't done any of these for a long time, but they're a different kind of podcast. They're not a soul talk. They're a Salah because they're an opportunity for you to pause and connect with the Lord and to foster your intimacy with Jesus. And the most popular of those Salah podcasts is Psalm 23, where we lead you through a meditation on Psalm 23. And this is a great way just to let the Lord minister his love to you and restore your soul and to join him in that. So these will be linked in the show notes and we encourage you to listen to them, have a soul talk with a friend about them, share them with a friend, sit, hit that share button on your podcast app and send it to somebody and say, Hey, you know, this ministered to me in this way. Love to hear your thoughts and, and, you know, talk and pray together. Thank you for joining us on the soul talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 